Welcome to Just Add Sprinkles, The Stories, a podcast by City Mom Collective, where we talk to moms about their authentic stories. We share stories because we believe that stories heal. Stories empower. Stories connect us to one another and make us feel not so alone. In short, stories matter. Here's your host, Maria Hoy. Hello and welcome to this episode of Just Add Sprinkles to Stories. In honor of Jewish Heritage Month, I will be speaking with a dear friend about her experiences growing up Jewish in America and what it is like for her to be a Jewish mother. Please enjoy her story. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of The Stories. I am very excited today because I am sitting here with a very dear friend, um, my friend Hillary, I have known for over 10 years. Um, she has been with me since the beginning of my motherhood journey, and I couldn't wait to talk to her today because I think she has a very interesting and exciting story to share. Um, so, Hillary, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. I know. I'm, I'm excited for you to be here, too. I guess for those who maybe aren't super familiar with, um, you know, Jewish heritage or the um, celebrations and the holidays, um, why don't you just kind of explain just, you know, it is Jewish Heritage Month, just like a few of the holidays um, that you and your family celebrate over the course of the year that pertain to um, Jewish heritage. Sure. Um, and uh, I guess I should maybe preface this by saying that, um, you know, Judaism is not a monolith. There's different um, sects within it. So mm -hmm. just just like in Christianity, you have Protestantism and baptism and um, Catholicism, right? There's all these different kind of branches of it. Um, there's kind of a similar uh, structure within Judaism as well. So there's uh, Reform Judaism, which is perhaps the most liberal um, in terms of uh, rules and beliefs and practices. And then there's conservative, which is kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, there's, uh, you know, orthodox, which is um, might be more of like a, the kind of stereotypical Jewish behavior where you have kosher laws that have to be followed, certain things you can't eat, like pork, shellfish, um, um, kind of a more strict adherence to the practices of judaism and mm -hmm. there's also like um um hasidic jews which is a really kind of small offshoot of judaism and it's maybe kind of similar to like the amish people in terms of numbers and um beliefs mm. so you know when, when we say jewishness right there's yeah. all different kinds of interpretations and there's also um secular jews there's a lot of jews who are you know ethnically and um uh, you know, by heritage, uh, Jewish, but don't practice the religious side of it, but mm -hmm. still practice this, the cultural aspects of Judaism. So April's a really big month um, in the Jewish culture because that's the month of Passover. Um, and so this is, a, you know, uh, I guess just a real quick <laughs> summary. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, a lot of people are probably familiar with the story, like the Exodus mm -hmm. story, right? There's like that movie with uh, is it Charlton Heston, you know, Moses yes. parting the Red Sea. So that's something that I think is very familiar for um, Christians as well. 
um, that is part of the Passover story. Basically, uh, this is like a, a, a celebrate, like eight day long celebration of when Jews had been enslaved in Egypt and were able to escape um, to freedom. So it's basically a celebration of emancipation. It's a recognition of the suffering and the sacrifice that um, these, you know, kind of original uh, Jewish slaves went through in order to find freedom. So, uh, you know, there's, uh, I think there's a reason why um, it, you know, happens in the, in the springtime. It always happens around Easter, around Lent. It's kind of uh, in that same general time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these, these religions, um, Christianity and, and Judaism, you know, right, they're, they're related. Um, right. The Judeo-Christian, you know, there's a lot of similarities there. One sprang from the other. And, um, you know, in Lent, you kind of, there's, you sacrifice, right? Like there's certain, you pick something to give up for Lent. And in, for Passover time, uh, Jewish people will give up um, uh, leavened products. So basically the story is, and please stop me if I'm <laughs> over explaining something or if I'm rambling, like I have a tendency to do that. Um, but uh, the story is that the Jewish slaves in Egypt had to flee kind of so quickly that they weren't able to kind of really pack. I mean, you can just imagine trying to get out of a situation like that. Um, you have to go under the cover of night with very minimal items. And they weren't able to bring uh, yeast to make bread with, right? So they had flour and water, maybe some salt, but no yeast. And so all they were able to eat in these, uh, you know, uh, legend has it, 40 days of their exodus was um, unleavened bread, which we call matzah. So to kind of like honor the sacrifice that our ancestors made and the suffering that they went through during this time of Passover, we will forgo leavened products, bread, um, you know, pasta, th- things that have um, risen, and we eat uh, matzah. Um, and actually, depending on which area of the world you are from, um, you might, you may or may not also eat rice and certain grains. So there's like differing <laughs> within <laughs> the Jewish culture. There's like differing beliefs about that as well. But the main thing is no leavened products. Um, and it's also a time of spring cleaning. So you'll clean your house top to bottom <laughs> if you're a good Jew. Oh, I didn't um, know that was part of it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think there's, there's like a practicality to a lot of these rituals mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that, you know, all religions have. Um, yes. There's the, the religious um, aspect of it, honoring your faith, but there's also like the practical, like living in the world aspect of it as well. So um, that might be part of it too. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, okay, I we didn't talk about this up front, but I do think that people um, should know just what it was like for you um, to be Jewish American, but then also you aren't just Jewish. So can we talk a little bit about that? <laughs> yes, yes. Not just Jewish. Hashtag. Um, <laughs> you heard it here first. No. Yeah, so yeah, to be fully transparent, and I always am, um, I, I, yeah, my, my dad is Jewish, um, and my mom is Korean American. So, um, and actually she emigrated to the States from Korea and her family practiced Christianity. So 
I kind of grew up in both faiths, Mm -hmm. but um, I grew up really more regularly going to temple. So I I grew up in New York City. Um, The temple that I went to is called Temple Emmanuel. Um, It's this kind of like very posh, very fancy, like I didn't really fit in, but very fancy um, reform temple, uh, you know, like Michael Bloomberg and like Joan Rivers, like the, you know, these big New York names like went there. And it was, I, I believe it's like, it's one of the biggest synagogues in the world on Fifth Avenue. It's like a tourist attraction. Um, and I think it might've been, they were at the forefront of the kind of reform Jewish movement. So um, this was a place that uh, my dad, even though he grew up conservative Jewish, um, this was a place that was comfortable for, for us to attend because they would accept me more readily. Um, in the Jewish faith, um, there is a there is this I want to say belief um, that you are Jewish if your mother is Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if you actually look at the history behind where that belief came from, it's actually a really sad one, which is that you know hundreds of years ago, um, in Jewish villages would be raided and the women would be. Mm-hmm raped Mm -hmm. and so you would have these children um with you know non-jewish fathers and just as a way to kind of keep the tribe intact you Mm -hmm. know um they decreed okay well if your mother's jewish then you are jewish and so originally it was a way of including it was an inclusive measure um but you know as the years have gone on it's kind of become sometimes interpreted as a more exclusionary tactic. So in, in reform Judaism, you know, if you, um, want to be Jewish, you can be Jewish. Um, (laughs) there's some, you know, there's some Jews, you know, even within the Jewish faith, right. Mm -hmm. Within any group of people, there's going to be varying, um, levels of acceptance and tolerance. And, you know, there's some people who would look at me and think, oh, you're not really Jewish, but I went to Hebrew school at Temple Emmanuel every Sunday from the age of from first or second grade, I think I was eight when I started, or maybe seven, until I was 16. Mm-hmm. So I went through, I had a bat mitzvah, um, which is the kind of traditional ceremony of um, the rite of passage, like kind of becoming an adult or a woman, you know, at the age of 12. Mm-hmm. And this is usually where a lot of people stop in terms of going to Hebrew school, <laughs> like ha- more than half of the class left they had their big party and, and like, they did they yep. learned their hebrew for their tourists <laughs> you know section and they presented it and then they were done i stayed and i um continued until i was you know 16 and i we had this confirmation ceremony so uh, you know uh i am truly um you know jewish i i, I consider myself truly jewish but if you were to look at me mm-hmm. i think i present physically more asian and it's it's been really interesting growing up or just being a human because um, in person, people might not think that I'm Jewish, um, but over the phone or on paper, because my, you know, my my last name, my maiden name was Feldstein, very Jewish sounding last name. Mm-hmm. Um, people would assume that it was Jewish and nothing else. So I've had some like really interesting, you know, experiences where like, um, like, for instance, I remember uh, my first week of college, you know, you're like meeting people in your dorm, hanging out, trying to make friends. And I remember I was in a room with a bunch of kids and we were talking about the dining hall and someone was like, oh yeah, they have bagels in the dining hall. And this guy was like, why do they have bagels? Like, don't, 
only Jews eat that, you know? (laughs) And like, of course, you know, this is, I don't want to date myself, but this was a while ago. Like now we have like, you know, everything everywhere all at once, that movie and like everything bagels, like a big part of it. Like, I think it's part of our, more part of our mainstream culture now, but back Mm -hmm. then. So like he said it in such a derogatory way. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, and I was coming from New York City. I'd never, I'd experienced prejudice, but I'd never really heard it in that way so blatantly because he didn't realize that I was Jewish. Basically, that's long story short. Looking at you, you don't, you don't, I mean, I guess if there's a look for people who are Jewish, you don't look like it. Yeah. And, you know, it's happened the other way, too, where, Mm -hmm. you know, my name on paper, it sounds very Jewish. And then, you know, I would get called in for interviews or something and I walk in the in the room and I could see this like look of surprise on people's face. And they're like, oh, you're Hillary Feldstein. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) you know, and then I, you know, you can always tell that they're trying to figure it out because they're like, so where are you from? New York City. And they're like, oh, where are your parents from? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, they live here, too. (laughs) You know, and I was you know, now I kind of understand, but when I was first starting out in, you know, my career after college, I didn't quite understand why they were asking me these questions. I thought they just wanted to figure out if I was like really a New Yorker or not. But right. with hindsight, I realized like, oh, they're trying to piece together. Like, who is this girl? She looks Asian. Her name's Feldstein. No ring on her finger. Like, who is she? What so, is happening? They're like, yeah, I feel like people are searching for some sort. They have to make it make sense. Right. So they're like, you know, are you adopted? Were you like, what are, what's happening? We got to, you know, they got to get to the bottom of it instead of just realizing like, it's possible. She's a person. Just let it go. Right. And, you know, I, um, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure I was the only Asian person at my Hebrew school temple. And I remember, um, I might be wrong. There might've been someone else in another grade or something, but definitely in my class the entire time. Um, And I, you know, my first day of school, this girl or Hebrew school, this girl came up to me and, um, you know, she said, well, why are you here? You're Chinese. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) first of all, I was really confused because to me, like Chinese was very different, you know, like Korean was, you know, to me, it was very clearly clear that I was not Chinese. And so I was just so confused why she thought that. And, um, you know, I think and she was a child. Right. So she truly did not understand or maybe she was being taught certain things at home you know it was but you think about it like that's kind of an innocent thing because you see certain types of people all your life right and it's very hard to understand how someone who doesn't look like you could also still be like you you know Um, but you know the, the fact of the matter is I had friends growing up who were Jewish on both sides and didn't go to temple at all didn't know how to read Hebrew didn't do any of the practices you know a friend who had a um they called it a hanukkah bush which was their christmas tree (laughs) um and but if we were walking down the street people would say you know nine 99 times out of 100 they would say she was the jew and i wasn't you know Mm -hmm. and actually Mm -hmm. um i'm i'm rambling so feel free to cut this part out but that did actually happen to me once my husband who is he's half jewish but his other half is white so he's fully caucasian Mm-hmm. We were we were walking down the street in Brooklyn one time and uh, someone approached us. He was kind of trying to he was from a, a I think it was called oh, I can't remember, but it was it was some sort of like sect, not not Hasidic, but some other sect that was in that area um, of Judaism. And they were trying to basically recruit members. And he oh. kind of scoped us out and he said, 
he came up to us and he looked right at my husband, completely ignored me. And he was like, are you Jewish? Can I talk to you for a minute? (laughs) And my husband looked at me and he was like, actually, she's the more Jewish one of both of us. And the guy looked at me and he thought he was like kidding or something. So he just like kind of waved us off and like walked away. (laughs) And I was like, excuse me. (laughs) But I really am actually. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a bat mitzvah. (laughs) Come on. Um, I will show you the awkward pictures, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. But so, you know, that's, that's just, um, and, and it's interesting because now I see there's more kind of interracial, interracial, interethnic mm-hmm. mixing mm-hmm. across the board. Um, but also within, um, you know, Jewish families. So, uh, you know, it's, it's more of a regular thing. I, I definitely feel like I was more unique, uh, when I was growing up than my kids will be now. They will still be unique in their own ways, but um, hopefully more accepted than I was. Do you, going back to um, your time at Hebrew school, do you feel like, did you feel like you didn't fit in? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, so I think I, I was raised in a real kind of bubble, like the school that I went to, the regular school, uh, elementary school that I went to was very um integrated like it was a very progressive liberal arts based school and we like my friend group we used to joke that we were like the united nations because (laughs) we were so diverse and you know like every race every religion literally um and and that was cool like we didn't there was that's just how we were raised and Mm -hmm. these were the kids that were in our class and that we were friends with and i truly didn't realize that that was not the norm until I got to, you know, high school and college and started kind of escaping, not escaping, kind of going outside of that um, wonderful bubble that I've been raised in. So when I started at Hebrew school, I, I, like I said, I I truly didn't understand some of that stuff. Um, But I definitely, you know, like uh, my mom, though she didn't, she wasn't against me going to Hebrew school and learning that side of my heritage. She just didn't participate in it. And so, you know, we would have like family service after um, classes sometimes or at, you know, holidays and it would just be me and my dad. Um, So, I, you know, I always felt a little aware, Mm -hmm. I would say, of that. Um, And, you know, I think um, looking back on it now as an adult, I think, you know, maybe I overcompensated. Like I used to get awards. They would give awards every semester. And I, (laughs) I was looking through like some old, you know, schoolwork that my mom had saved and I found this folder and it was just all these awards like honor roll like best attendance best this best that that I was getting when I was at Hebrew school I think I was generally a really good student um but there was probably something inside of me that felt like I had to work a little harder than other kids because to like kind of prove while I was there because you know on that first day that girl said to me like why are you here like she didn't mm-hmm. think I belonged and you know that story actually has a happy ending because I ended up kind of becoming best friends with the girl that she had been best friends with. And she <laughs> kind of got shunned and ended up leaving, you know, and going to like a, a different um, class. So um, that worked out well for me, but it still always lingered with me, obviously, since it's like one of those formative stories um, in my life now. Okay. So I know that you're a mom, obviously we have uh spent a lot of time together and our kids have um, spent time together. 
And as you're raising them, and the, you are raising them with their Jewish heritage, I I know you are, right? Yeah. <laughs> for the audience, for everyone listening, <laughs> you are. <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, you know, then it primarily comes out in um, celebrating Jewish holidays together, mm-hmm. um, wanting them to understand Jewish culture. There's a great, I live in LA now, and there's a fantastic museum called the Skirball Center here. And they actually yes. have a Noah's Ark exhibit that, uh, you know, obviously Noah's Ark is a story from the Old Testament or the Torah, as Jewish uh, people call it. And so that's something that um, both, you know, that story is in Judeo and Christian um, studies or mm-hmm. <laughs> now I'm stumbling on my words, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyways, it's actually a really great kid friendly interactive exhibit. And there's other exhibits in there about Jewish history and, uh, you know, kind of the great immigration um, after the pogroms in, in Europe um, and obviously the Holocaust as well. And so uh that's something that uh, I got a membership for our family there for that museum so that we can go. We, I try to take them once or twice a year, at least now just to kind of keep them in touch with, with that. Um, and I actually, you know, I have to say that um, I used to be more lax about this. Like I would always do Hanukkah um, and I would do, you know, Passover. I, I would try to do the fasting of not eating leavened products and just eating, you know, matzah instead of toast or whatever. <laughs> matzo ball soup, which I love. Um, but since becoming a parent, um, and also since leaving New York and moving to an area, and before I lived in LA, I lived down Orange County. That's um, where you and I spent a lot of time, mm-hmm. right? And many years and living in communities where there weren't a lot of Jewish people, it actually made me want to connect with that more. Um, because uh, you know, it's it's a weird thing. Like when you feel like there's so many of you out there, you're like, well, I don't have to do all the work here. Mm-hmm. You know, I can just fly under the radar. But when you feel like um, you're the only parent in your kid's class raising their hand to talk about Hanukkah during December, for example, um, it kind of takes on a different importance because you realize like, wow, I am the representative. I need to know this stuff a little better and I need to preserve it for my kids because I do want them to know their heritage. It's just who they are. Mm-hmm. Neither of us picked it, but this is who they are. And I think it's really important to know your roots um, and to have an appreciation for your ancestors and what they went through. And, uh, you know, and I realized I'm the mom, like I, I, who's, <laughs> who is going to teach them this stuff? It's on me now. You know, it's on me. Right. So, you know, I make a mean matzo ball soup. <laughs> um, I can make a pretty good brisket though. My son is vegetarian. So we've kind of moved away from doing that. Um, but I make I make a vegetarian matzo ball soup now, believe it or not. And it's actually pretty good. That's impressive. Yeah. So I, you know, I try and a lot of, um, Jewish culture food is so important, right? Mm-hmm. Like the kind of stereotype of the Jewish mom is like, <laughs> have you eaten? Are you eating? Yeah. Um, and that's actually, um, I think that's where Korean and Jewish culture really intersect. Is that like the importance of food? Because it's the same, like Korean mom, Jewish mom, very similar when it mm-hmm. comes to like making sure you're eating right. So food is 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 life. It's important in both of my cultures. And so I've kind of, that's one way, a big way that I try and pass these traditions and this learning and this um, awareness down to my kids is through food. Well, and I think it's so interesting that you just said that when you aren't surrounded by maybe people that look like you or who believe what you believe or, you know, things like that, it becomes like even more important for you to 
preserve that about yourself. Um, I think a lot of moms probably, even if they aren't Jewish or, you know, um, whatever, once you have your children, you're like, oh, wait a minute. I do want them to experience or know or understand um, what, you know, who I am and who, who they are now. I think that's like a very common thing for um, for moms in general. But also when you talk about, you know, not having people around, it's so interesting to me because when I was growing up, um, I didn't know a single Jewish person at all whatsoever. Like none. Wow. It wasn't until I went to college that I that I met somebody who was Jewish. And for the longest time, I thought it was like such so exotic. OK, like I just was <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, there's a Jewish guy that lives in like whatever floor it was. And I was like, I want to go meet this person because this is fascinating to me. And um, and not in like, oh, they're so different. It's weird. It was like, I am just like, this is so cool because I which seems silly, but I always felt very um, othered where I where I lived. And so to me, anybody else that was other was like very intriguing. And I, I felt an immediate connection to people who were in the other category um, in the out group, I guess. And so um, I met him and I was like, oh, he is, you know, you wouldn't if you looked at him, in my opinion, because, you know, I had no reference for quote unquote, what Jewish people are supposed to look like. I was like, oh, he is just like a normal 19 year old or 18 year old um, college kid. Like I didn't understand. I didn't see or didn't understand any sort of differences. Mm -hmm. However, I do recall there were many times when people would say things that were offensive, but in that college, like your kind of college experience, they did not Mm -hmm. know that what they were saying was super offensive to the person sitting right there. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I feel like I'm hoping that we are kind of coming um, leaps and bounds in certain directions um, that are hopefully good to understand other people and other cultures and all that kind of stuff. But from your perspective, how can like me or, you know, someone who has friends who are Jewish, how can we come alongside you um, to be allies for you? Because in which I just think is absolutely asinine is that, you know, there's still all of these um, hate crimes going on against people who are Jewish mm-hmm. and their temples and their places of worship um, mm-hmm. or their yeah. preschools, and, you know, things like that. Um, and yet there to me. And looking at the numbers, there's such a small, small percentage of people living here who are Jewish. Like I said, I grew up never meeting a Jewish person at all until I went to college. And even then there was one, you know, it wasn't like, oh, these are where the Jewish people live. You know, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, from your perspective, how can we come alongside our Jewish friends and um, show them that we are with them? I mean, I think just the fact that you're asking that is such a huge step. Just the recognition that someone may have it hard, harder because of their religion Mm -hmm. um, and that that's wrong, you know, and that you can do something to maybe change that. That's a huge step. That's so that shows so much self-awareness. Honestly, I think there's so many people or there's some people who 
don't see things like that. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that, that right there is huge. Um, Listening. I mean, anyone who might be listening to this podcast right now is doing something to expand their understanding and their awareness and their tolerance. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think tolerance is a, a really big piece of this is, you know, to be okay with someone not having the same faith or the same beliefs that you do, but still saying, this is still a good person. They abide by the the legal laws of our country and, you know, they do their job well, or they, you know, they're nice to me. They play nicely with my kids, like whatever it is, you know, you can still be a good person, even if you don't share the same faith. Um, And, you know, I think showing your kids that through example, the example of how you treat other people Mm -hmm. goes a long way as well, because they're learning from how you talk about other people when other people aren't around and they're learning from how you treat other people. And to, to model that sort of tolerant behavior and not just tolerant, but also friendship with Mm -hmm. people who are different. um, I think that that goes a really long way for the next generation. Um, you know, like, um, I'm just remembering that when my son was in kindergarten, uh, you know, it was December time and the school, uh, this was in Orange County and the school basically celebrated Christmas every day of December. <laughs> like literally every, um, craft they did, it would be elves or Christmas trees or candy canes or, you know, every day there was a story read about every day was Christmas. And then there was, um, one day where the teacher invited people who might celebrate other um, holidays mm. during that time to come in and talk about them. And by the way, there are a lot of holidays that are there celebrated are. in December <laughs> aside of uh, the Christian ones. Um, and so I, I actually waited a week before I, I volunteered because I thought, well, surely there's someone else in this class who's more Jewish than me. You know, I, I have mm-hmm. kind of an inferiority complex about it still. And no one did. So I said, OK, I'll do it. You know, half Korean person will come in and talk about Hanukkah. <laughs> Um, but you know, I was so excited and I, you know, I bought these little wooden dreidels and teach the kids how to play this. It's basically a spinning top game. That's a part of the Hanukkah celebration. Mm-hmm. I had a little storybook. It was all prepared. And I walked in that morning and one of my son's friends who had just had a birthday party, like the weekend before, and my son was there and I chatted with the mom. Um, he came right up to me and he's like, are you going to teach us about Hanukkah today? And I was like, yeah, are you excited? Like, I thought he was greeting me because he mm-hmm. was friend and he was like well no i'm not going to pay any attention because we don't like hanukkah people in our house hanukkah people killed jesus <laughs> and i was just like you know i've certainly experienced bigotry and hatred mm-hmm. um in many different facets of my life but never from a child that young i mean he was kindergarten he's like five and that really like shook me because you know i i knew that he he was just repeating mm-hmm. something that he had heard, right? Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't really understand what he's talking about. This is something that he's heard in his home, but it really like shook me that I was, you know, just at the party talking with his mom and our kids are friends. And I think that she maybe didn't realize that we were Jewish and, uh, you know, just right. I had to then right. go on and present to the class about it. And I just kind of was like, well, I'm here. I'm going to have to do this, this job um, no matter what. And, ironically at the end of it he was like playing with the top he was having a great time and um i you know i've had people ask me since then 
when I've told them the story, they're like, well, what'd you do? Like, did you talk to the mom? You know? And I was just like, well, at that point we actually knew that we were going to be leaving that school the next year. And Mm -hmm. so I kind of knew that was not a relationship that was going to last, but I just decided to basically kill them with kindness and Mm -hmm. um, set an example that might be different from perhaps the stereotypes that their family might be believing. And so, you know, my son had a birthday party and we invited this kid and, you know, we tried to be very generous with this child Mm -hmm. and I I never restricted their friendship and, um, which is really hard that, I mean, (laughs) that I give you a lot of credit for that because I don't know if I would have been so, um, I would be like, I don't think I feel comfortable with not the child. I don't have a problem with the child. It's like the parent. I don't know if I could, could do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely, I I might've made a different decision if we were going to be there for, you know, until he went off to middle school. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, my, the reason that I did that was, well, primarily because I was, I'm hoping that someday that kid grows up and he might, you know, be fed all these stereotypes um, from his family, Mm -hmm. but he might say, but my friend who was Jewish he was fun and they were generous and they had that great party that they invited me to. And, you mm-hmm. know, just, I, I, I hopefully can provide one evidence, one piece of evidence for this person to maybe make them question these um, kind of bigoted ideas that they've just learned. Um, a lot of, you know, prejudice and hatred is inherited mm-hmm. and it's, it's based on stereotypes that are not really fact. And just like, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying you're bigoted in any way, but your concept of like what a quote unquote, like typical Jew would look like was very different than what you experienced in real life. You know, that's, that's something that you learn as you kind of go outside of your Mm -hmm. comfort zone. And, and and this brings me to something else, going back to what you're asking about how you can be a good ally is um, I think also speaking up um, Mm -hmm. in situations Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's, it can be very exhausting to have to be one to constantly be kind of defending yourself or explaining yourself or, you know, um, it's exhausting to always be having to be that shining example of your race and your um, religion. Right. And so absolutely, um, one thing that a, a good ally can do is to step in and speak on, defend on behalf of someone who's being belittled or experiencing that prejudice and just kind of doing things before people have to Mm-hmm. maybe ask for them. Like, um, for instance, if, you know, if you're a business owner and you're setting your holidays, you're setting events, um, you know, you, you always think about the Christian events, right? Christmas, right. Easter, right? Um, but it's also helpful if you think about, well, what are some other big religious celebrations that this event might be conflicting with? Is this the first night of Passover? Is mm-hmm. this you know, the, is this holy? Is this, um, you know, Ramadan or, or, you know, something like that, just having an awareness that there could be people that work for you or that are in your, um, your circle that might actually have, uh, different beliefs than you. And they might be quiet about it as well. Like you might not even know, but they might, maybe someone in their family celebrates that. And so they're going to that celebration or it's something that, um, they were kind of raised not to be public about for fear of prejudice. Um, I know people who have, you know, grandparents who would light candles every Friday night and they didn't know why. And that's, that's actually a Jewish Mm. tradition. It's the Sabbath on Fridays and, um, you know, come to find out that actually their grandparent was Jewish, but had 
buried this part of themselves for fear of discrimination, um, which hopefully we're at a point now culturally in America anyway, that we don't have to do that. But, you know, sometimes you see stuff in the news, like what you mentioned before, and you just kind of wonder, well, is it really safe yeah. in certain parts of this country still? Well, I think also, too, you know, s- some people have a fear of um, expressing who they are or showing who they are, like you said about, you know, lighting the candle. They may not want to do that. But I also think that fear is what makes people have prejudice against others. Mm-hmm. They have no mm-hmm. concept of who these other people are, right? Mm-hmm. They don't know anything about them. And so it's so easy to do things or say things when you're afraid of them, right? And I think part of helping, you know, if you have children who aren't Jewish or any other, you know, religion or race or whatever it may be, is like what you did in that classroom is you were teaching them, they were learning. And so, you know, personally for me, I try to teach our kids all the different things because, you know, I don't, I don't want there to be any sort of fear Number one, like afraid of someone or something because it's different. Um, I don't know if children like really have that fear. You know, I think they just have like what they're told and, you know, it's like bad or good or whatever it is. Um, But, um, you know, so like experiencing other cultures and people, um, introducing them to cultures and people. And I also think, too, like, you know, one of the things when I owned OC Mom Collective, one of the things that I try to do. And, and for those of you who don't know, Hillary was, and still is the managing editor of, um, OC mom collective. And, you know, it was one of our big, big sticking points was just trying to be inclusive in like everything that we could possibly do. Um, because representation matters. And when people see other people or they hear other, they hear stories and things like that. I mean, that's a huge reason why I wanted to start this, um, offshoot podcast was because stories are so powerful. And if someone can hear you know, Hillary's story and say, oh, man, like, you know, my uh, son is the only Jewish child in his class. And I never even thought about talking to the teacher about, you know, hey, can we do a little Hanukkah? Can we can we get a little something else in there? Mm -hmm. Um, And hopefully, like you said, like you going into that classroom, hopefully that child someday like always remembers like wait a minute I know I had a really great friend who was Jewish and you know there's nothing to be afraid of there's you know there's nothing to be afraid of and I think that's so powerful Mm -hmm. yeah and I think you know um travel is Mm -hmm. a really great way to expose yourself and your children to that as well and and the more you kind of get out of your town or your city your state Mm -hmm. your country you realize how diverse this world really is Mm-hmm. And that it's okay. I mean, we're, it's a big planet and people have different faiths. They have different political beliefs. And like, that's just what being human is. And it's beautiful. I think it's really, it's, I think it's boring when everyone is the same. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm saying that because I am such a, you know, a mix of things, but I just find things to be more interesting when they're, different and um not the expected uh the you know the same thing every single day at every single turn and i think if you want to be a world traveler um and a citizen of this world 
um, having that awareness and that tolerance um, is vital. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I 1000% agree with everything that you said. And I think that's why, you know, for me, um, growing up where everybody was exactly the same, you know, seeking out people who were different was just so exciting and just interesting. And it just, you know, it was like, wow, there's so much to learn. There's so much to learn and so many uh, stories that people can tell you that are just outside of your experience. And I think getting outside of your own experience um, can really open your open your mind and help you have more compassion and empathy and all the things that really make us human, you know, bringing it down to a human level. And absolutely. And I think also, you know, there might be the perceived threat of like, well, if you learn about another way, then Mm -hmm. you'll want to go that way or whatever. But I think that, um, you know, that seems like more insecurity to me than anything, because Mm -hmm. if what you believe is right, and if it is um, has value in itself. That's all that matters. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter how much else you learn. You can study every single political viewpoint in this country, but you will still have ultimately your viewpoint based Mm -hmm. on what you have explored. Right. And so I, I think it could, religion could be seen as the same way. I don't think I mean, I definitely think that learning about other religions could make you question things. But ultimately, if your faith is right, then it will be right for you, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So, and again, I grew up in a mixed faith, mixed race household. So I suppose that kind of came naturally to me because that's what I was raised around. But Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think that that just seems like a, a given to me, but it might be something that other people um discover as they get older perhaps yeah i i agree i feel like i've done a lot of exploring and learning and it hasn't um impacted you know it hasn't turned me into something that i i don't uh, identify with yeah and i appreciate that you know you you identify as christian right mm-hmm. i don't think i'm uh, wrong no, yeah right. <laughs> so so and i appreciate that we're friends like we're genuine yeah. friends like yeah. for year a decade over a decade oh, right yeah i mean that's <laughs> i can't believe it but yeah i mean and we're really friends and like you know whatever our religious beliefs are just never really interfered with the fact that like we laugh at the same things and mm-hmm. we like the same thing you know we trade you know memes and gifts and like you know <laughs> we're truly like on the same brainwave in so many other ways. And so, you know, if we can do it, anyone can, right? Exactly. <laughs> if we can do it, guys, come on. <laughs> so true. It's so true. Well, Hillary, I just want to say thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure, Maria. Thank you for having me. Yes. And I appreciate you so much. And I appreciate you sharing your story. For show notes and more information on this episode of Just Add Sprinkles, The Stories, please visit momcollective.com. There you can find more information on our topic, our guests, and our hosts. If you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, we would absolutely love it if you could take a moment and share it with your friends and give us a review. We love hearing from you.